Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Wednesday, June 19th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, well, sorry about yesterday, uh, what happened there. The the Nick Ward stuff ran really long and I had to do a funky breakdown because I got to get uh, so many ad breaks in per episode and I had to throw a couple in right at the beginning before I really got into the show because I spent five minutes doing an intro, which I try not to do. I know I can ramble a bit with these intros, so I'll try to keep it tighter today uh, and actually get some content out of my mouth uh, before the first commercial break. On today's show, we're going to talk about Matt McQuaid uh, and his NBA potential. The NBA draft is tomorrow, so Cueto is going to be number two in our little three-player breakdown. We did Ward yesterday. You can listen back to that show if you want. Today will be Matt McQuaid, and tomorrow will be Kenny Goins. Uh, Like I said with uh, the Ward intro, not expecting any of these guys to get drafted. I'll have low-ish uh, you know, potential, realistic viability for an NBA future. I think Matt has the highest uh, of the three, and we'll talk about why today, but you know, not going to be drafted. Should see him in summer league, and we'll sort of see what goes from there. They've got a chance to carve out NBA futures. All of them do. It's just you got to do certain things, improve in certain areas, improve you can hang uh, with guys at the NBA level. So today we'll be uh, focused on Matt McQuaid for the first couple of segments. And then segment three, I want to talk about that Tulsa line. I still, I do want to get to that and talk about why Michigan State laying 21 and a half points is uh, perfectly reasonable. Uh, if you want to be part of the show, I've been telling you guys about this. Send me a pitch. LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Send me an email what you want to talk about. We'll get you into co-host the segment at some point this summer. I uh, got another one of those coming up next week, it looks like. Things just kind of with the NBA draft this week and talking about these guys. Things got a little bit crazy, but we'll have another one next week, maybe two next week, uh, and then an additional one the week after that. So we got them coming. Hopefully once a week is the plan here for that. Definitely send in a request if you want to do that. Follow the show on Twitter at OnSpartans. Follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter rate. Hunter, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes to your phone every single day. Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, let's talk about Matt McQuaid. So I think just the fact that I'm feeling necessary to have this conversation, and this is the exact same scenario for Kenny Goins, the fact that we're having this conversation about can these guys make it to the NBA? What do they have to do to make it to the NBA? Where's their path? Uh, I think it just says so much about those two. It's, it's almost like it's an automatic win for both of them. The fact that I feel like these are necessary and valid conversations to have, uh, especially for Matt McQuaid, because... You know, he comes on the scene as a freshman, expected to be uh, you know, a shot-making playmaker at the wing, uh, who you hope can develop into a solid defender, shows some promise in limited minutes his freshman year. Things don't start coming together like you would hope. It wasn't a linear uh, ascent in terms of improvement. His sophomore year, he struggled at times with an increased role and increased volume. His shooting Uh, fell off. I think he shot 35% from three, which was uh, a drop from 40% as a freshman on more volume. Uh, So that was not a great sign. Uh, He struggled to really thrive uh, with the ball in his hands and and became kind of a frustrating player. Streaky, certainly his junior year, slight improvement 
little bit better on both ends of the floor. Still a streaky, frustrating player. Felt like he could go out on a game, hit six of eight from three, and be really impactful, and then for the next three games not hit a shot to save his life. And it was just frustrating. I know a lot of people were frustrated uh, you know, with his play, with the streakiness of it. I'm sure he was too. Uh, the thing about these athletes is they are people, and sometimes we forget that, and especially with college kids, they are not children, but just a step above being a kid, a teenager still. Um, they're young. And so struggles are going to happen. Streakiness is going to happen, especially when you're not, you know, a lottery pick type player. Uh, But Matt persevered, pushed through and turned in an outstanding senior season, had a couple of games where there were frustrating moments, certainly, but was a much more consistent player, shot it so much better. Great intangibles in terms of uh, leadership, team captain, uh, you never have to worry about effort, attitude, things like that with him, and did a lot more uh, offensively, more than just shooting it, added some you know, dynamic playmaking at times, uh, and just became an all-around better player, as well as you know, taking another step forward on the defensive end, and all of a sudden you look and you're like, holy crap, Matt McQuaid is a really good perimeter defender. Matt McQuaid might be a first-team all-big 10 defense guy uh, and he ultimately gets rewarded with that honor which I think was well deserved uh, and I was happy to see him get that and now we're at a point where he has improved his potential and his stock so much that he is in working out with NBA teams uh, he didn't go to the NBA combine not a surprise but was invited to the secondary combine the pro basketball combine uh, and you know Did some nice things there. Had a couple of nice performances against a good, solid group of college players who are all sort of fringe NBA-type prospects. And so I think he's really done well for himself to get to this point, certainly. Now, moving forward, there is a path for him to get to the NBA, and and we'll talk about that. Uh, First, I want to kind of go over what his strengths are in terms of how does his game translate to the NBA? What does he need to do? Uh, and I, I want to start with three-point shooting because that's the obvious one. If Matt McQuaid's going to make it in the NBA, it, we know exactly how he's going to do it. And that's sort of the reason why I think he has the highest chance of Nick Ward, Kenny Goins, and himself to make it is because if Matt McQuaid makes it to the NBA, he will be a 3 and D wing. Uh, full stop, bottom line, that's what he's going to be. It is a role that every single team has a couple of guys that can do it. Every team needs it. Every team needs perimeter shooting. Every team needs perimeter defense and guys who can switch between a couple positions on defense and, you know, eat some minutes and hit some shots and just sort of help buoy your team as a role player. And that's what Matt McQuaid's going to be. If he's going to make it to the NBA, you'll never see him initiating a pick and roll. You will not see him have a high usage rate. You will not see him, uh, do different things that are more, uh, you know, specialty type situations, but he will be a three and D guy. We know that it is an answered question. So I think that helps him in terms of just having that defined role. And that's what he's going to have to be. Uh, he knows teams know what Nick or Matt McQuaid needs to be. And, and it's when you have that set path, it's easier. I think when then just like, I don't know, flailing around and do I need to be better with the ball handling? Do I need to do this better? Do I need to do that better? Uh, Matt knows what he needs to do. So in terms of strength, three-point shooting, uh, like I said, shot 42% on almost five attempts per game last season. That's really good efficiency on good volume. Uh, And I thought at times he could have shot it more. 
And, you know, I think losing Langford helped with his volume, and it sort of turned out to be a silver lining for him because he got to take more shots and did a really good job with it. Shot 81% from the free throw line. Uh, a lot of people and studies have shown that uh, free throw shooting in college is a better predictor to NBA three-point shooting than three-point shooting in college because of the distance change. Um, and so 81% is a really good number for Matt. He's always been an 80-ish percent free throw shooter that suggests that he can translate to the next level and that's not something I think people will doubt with him he's got a really nice three-point shot good stroke uh, and just kind of always has but now is finding consistency with it uh, and so I think he can be someone who ends up shooting between 38 and 40 percent in the NBA in a few years once he gets adjusted there will be a drop when you know you got to move back a foot and a half uh, there will be a drop in his, his percentage, his efficiency, but he'll adjust to that and he can be someone who can shoot well uh, long term. And that's certainly an NBA skill that is viable. And more than just, you know, catch and shoot and, you know, things like that, uh, spot up shooting, uh, McQuaid can kind of shoot it in a different variety of ways. There's some versatility to his three point game. When you think versatility with, with three point shooting, the obvious gold standard uh, in the NBA is Steph Curry because he can shoot it from anywhere off of any sort of action off the dribble off the catch coming around a screen in transition whatever you need from a three-point shot he can do it and certainly McQuaid is not that but he's added a little bit of that versatility to his three-point game he can shoot it in transition got much better at that to the point where uh, you know, MSU's running, McQuaid's streaking down to the wing, catches it and not even, you know, losing a half second, catches it and goes right up with a shot. That's tough to do. That's tough to go from a full sprint, catch and shoot real quick and shoot it well. And he certainly grew in that spot. And that's something he's going to have to do at the next level. And I think just with the growth we've seen there, that's something that he uh, will be able to do consistently. He also shoots it well in traffic. Uh, he made some big shots this year with not a lot of space, needing a quick release. He doesn't have a long load up. He doesn't need all the room in the world to shoot it. Uh, you know, Kyle Korver is someone in the NBA who at first I think needed more room. He's certainly gotten better at it, but uh, you know, needed more room to get going. And then you see how his game sort of develops. And Korver is a different level shooter than Matt McQuaid. Uh, but you see how guys, you know, they get to a point in the NBA where you have to hit shots in traffic with really quick releases that look like, like, how is that even a shot? It's in. Uh, and, and that just happens all the time in the NBA. And with that is shooting sort of, I guess I'll call it off platform. You hear that a lot with quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers throwing from different arm angles, his feet aren't set things like that. It's just, you know, a lot of guys can stand in an open gym or even in a game shoot with their feet perfectly aligned, elbow in the right spot, got the time and it's up and it's good. Like you just got to have that perfect sort of rhythm and every, all the conditions are perfect. And I think McQuaid can extend beyond that. He can shoot when he's leaning a little bit. He can shoot from weird spots in more uncomfortable situations. He's not quite prolific at that yet. If he was, you would certainly... Uh, hear more about him as a, a second round pick as someone and, and he would have shown it more in college he would have taken more shots he would have been more uh, involved in terms of usage rate but you sort of if you go back and watch him his, his games uh, you can see shots where he is not perfectly set up uh, to shoot not perfect conditions and is still able to get them to go and that's something that at the next level I think like JJ Redick is the king of that in the NBA if you watch 
him play at all. The dude is like his feet are by his shoulders somehow. He's like horizontal to, to the floor and he's still hoisting up threes that go and getting good shots off while conditions are not perfect is something that I think McQuaid has shown the ability to do. He's going to have to get more consistent with it. And then that pump fake side saddle sidestep uh, shot is an NBA skill. His pump fake is incredible on the wing. He is so good at that rhythm pump fake sidestep dribble bang and he, he does it effortlessly and that's an NBA skill he's already got so that versatility in his three-point shooting is uh, really going to help him another strength he has is his defensive mind I think McQuaid wins on defense not with athleticism he's a good athlete at the college level uh, we'll talk more about that in the next segment but I think he's really smart I think he grew into a savvy defender at Michigan State great technique uh, great technique really smart always in position good feet uh does well with his hands where he can disrupt but not get into foul trouble. Hand placement is so huge in the NBA because you have the smartest and most talented guards uh, that are incredible basketball players that if you make a mistake with your hand and you're reaching out too much, boom, that's a foul. They're sideswiping it. They're getting a shot up and they're going to the line. And that is not something that you can do and stay on the floor at the NBA level. So I think McQuaid has what it takes there in terms of mentally, the defensive chops. He's a super smart player. Uh, And so I think that certainly will transition uh, to the NBA with him. He's going to be someone who, you know, uh, we'll talk about the the NBA later, but certainly the G League level where he's not going to get played off the floor by incredible athletes. He can definitely hang on the defensive end there and be a really good perimeter defender in his pro career, at least to start. And then I talked about a little bit earlier, but his intangibles are great. Sometimes intangibles matter. Sometimes they don't. When you're a fringe uh, end of the bench role player type, uh, intangibles matter. You can't be a headache. You can't be anyone who is any sort of maintenance. Matt's no maintenance. Great leader, uh, character guy, all the positive things you want to say. His effort is always outstanding. He's not someone you have to worry about. He's someone who's going to bring it uh, night in, night out with, with effort and you know just being a, a grinder, someone who's had to grind through his college career. He's going to be familiar with that. He's not going to go in expecting anything from the NBA, knows he's going to have to work to get it. And I think that really, uh, maybe it doesn't help him get to the NBA, but it'll help him stick around if he does get that opportunity. Coaches will like that. Teammates will like playing with a guy like that who's not someone who's disrupting things, getting in the way, and is just a good dude and someone you want around uh, on your basketball team. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, When we get back, we'll talk about some of his weaknesses and sort of the overall outlook for McQuaid. Guys, it's 2019. Yes, 2019. And these days, shirts shouldn't wrinkle, itch, or sweat. And with Twillery, they don't. Twillery makes stocking up your closet as simple as restocking the beer in your fridge. It is easy, affordable, and you get the perfect fit guaranteed. They offer non-iron, untuckable, and performance dress shirts for as low as $55 each when you bundle four or more. That's a great price for a really high-quality piece of clothing. These are really nice shirts, you guys. And even better, they have free shipping and returns, so you can try on some Twills risk-free. Yes, you heard me right. You can try on Twillery shirts completely risk-free. Uh, I think I'm like 50-50 on saying twy twills. It's try some twills, not twy some twills, but you understand how that might happen. Uh, if you're looking for a dress shirt that is comfortable, stylish, and for a good price, you need to head over to twillery.com and you can get $25 off your first Twillery purchase with the promo code LOCKEDON. Twillery.com slash LOCKEDON, promo code LOCKEDON, and really just go there and check out these shirts. Uh, they sell themselves. Go on their website. They got a bunch of really cool shirts. Uh, some are, you know, collared uh, golf shirt types. 
some are dress shirts that you tuck in. They've got the untucked shirts that look like they're really cool, really cool designs, really good colors and things like that. It's like a nice stylish shirt, really comfortable, and you got to go check it out. Twillery.com slash locked on uh, for $25 off your first Twillery purchase with the promo code locked on. That's promo code locked on for $25 off your first order with Twillery.com. Uh, reminder, you can get Locked on Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked on Spartans. Let's talk about some things that McQuaid's going to have to prove he can do to play in the NBA. Uh, the first one is high-end athleticism. And this one, I think, is the big question mark surrounding him. Uh, like I said earlier, he wins on defense by being smart, technically sound, and just a good, savvy defender. And I worry a little bit about what his high-end athleticism looks like because the wings in the NBA are, for the most part, absolute next-level athletes. And I think McQuaid's a good athlete. Uh, I'm just not sure sort of what his high-end athleticism, what the range of his athleticism looks like. Can he hang with, uh, I don't know, someone like... Not, I don't want to say LeBron James because that's almost unfair, but uh, even like a Gary Harris type who will be someone he would match up with in the NBA. Someone who can get to the rim, is really fast, runs hard through screens. Think of CJ McCollum. Like that dude is just a nightmare to guard. Clay Thompson, guys who are always running, guys who are strong, fast, powerful, and quick. Uh, McQuaid's going to have to, if he's going to stay in the NBA, be able to hang. Uh, with people like that, and there were times where he struggled. Uh, Iggy Brasdikas kind of ate him up in the first half of the Big Ten uh, championship game, or maybe it was the game at Michigan State. Either way, one of those games, Brasdikas kind of ate up McQuaid in the first half, and they switched to Aaron Henry, and Aaron Henry shut him down because Aaron Henry's bigger, uh, faster, and, and maybe even a little bit stronger than McQuaid at this point, but he's certainly bigger and faster. Uh, and so... Uh, that makes me wonder, you know, was McQuaid just having an off night there? Is he someone who is susceptible <clears throat> to someone who is a combination of bigger and a little bit faster than him? And and again, we just don't know what McQuaid's athleticism truly is because the way he played in Michigan State, the role he filled, you know, that's not conducive to athleticism. Uh, he didn't do things like Aaron Henry where you can see flashes of, okay, this dude's got some bounce. This dude's getting into the lane with explosiveness and making plays at the rim. McQuaid is a perimeter player and off-ball guard. And so you just didn't get to see a lot of displays of it. But uh, you saw one. <laughs> Javin Delorier and Duke certainly saw one in the Elite Eight. Uh, there's something there. I don't know if that was... A flash in the pan scenario. I don't imagine Matt McQuaid dunking on people at the next level. He doesn't have to dunk on people at the next level. This is more in the defensive end, but I think if if he can do that, have that kind of incredible, powerful slam, and really the 360 or spinning layup as well, the body control, the strength to take that contact and get the shot up, I think that bodes well for him moving forward, but it's certainly a question he's going to have to answer because I know the questions out there about him. Summer League is going to be huge for that. Uh, he's going to get a chance to match up against some really good players, some first-round draft picks, some second-round draft picks. Uh, if he shows he can hang there defensively while also doing a good job shooting the ball from the perimeter, uh, he's going to do well and set himself up uh, for what I think will be a G League season this next season, uh, but the potential to move forward. Someone's going to see that and like that and say, hey, this guy might be someone that we can uh, get for cheap to be a bench guy, to be a role player, and then see what happens from there. 
otherwise, you know, he has a low ceiling. He's not much of a playmaker, which limits uh, the chances teams might take on him. You know, the ceiling stuff. Teams like to take raw guys. They like to take prospects with huge athleticism. Uh, they like to take prospects that have tools but aren't complete players yet. Younger guys, you know, McQuaid's a four-year player. That's going to hurt him in this process. I think those two things hurt him in terms of pre-draft process. If Matt McQuaid was a really good playmaker, could beat people off the bounce, get into the lane and make plays, he would be an NBA draft pick. He would be a, a, a surefire uh, first round, late first round type guy, someone who can shoot at that rate, play defense on the perimeter, uh, play really well in the Big Ten, be all Big Ten first team all defense, and then make plays as well. He would be a, a certain draft pick and someone who's gonna have an NBA career. Uh, but I, you know, you just don't see it as much as like a, a Ty Jerome type player from Virginia who can do a little bit of everything. Uh, with the ball in his hands and McQuay just wasn't asked to do that a ton there were times where he played backup point guard and when he did the offense stag got stagnant a lot some of it was the people on the floor with him some of it was he's just not uh, the playmaker and the Michigan State offense relies on a, a lot of uh, playmaking ball handling cr shot creation ability from its point guard so the offense would stagnate a bit there were times though where it didn't uh, the Minnesota game sticks out McQuaid had an incredible game was making plays off the dribble was getting to the lane was finding open players for easy baskets I think he got like seven or eight assists that game along with 17 points or something like that so maybe some of that potential is there but it doesn't really need to be I don't project that NBA teams I don't think NBA teams will project him as that I don't think NBA teams are going to choose Matt McQuaid as, a, as an undrafted guy and say, well, if he's going to make it, he needs to be a playmaker. He's not really going to be that. That's not what he's going to be expected to do at the next level. If he gives you a little bit of that in addition to the other stuff, that's great, but that's not where he's going to make his hay. So I'm not worried about playmaking in terms of limiting his viability to stick in the NBA. It's just going to make it harder for him to get that foot in the door. Uh, and you're already seeing that with where he ranks in terms of prospects. That's because he's not a playmaker with the ball in his hands. That's because his ceiling is low. It's because he's a four-year guy who really has one year of uh, production that you can look at and go, okay, there's something here. Uh, and, you, you know, late bloomer, whatever you want to call it. And that's just not a sexy NBA pick. It's not someone that front front offices look for in the draft. It's not what coaches want in the draft. But it is, you know, they look for complete players. Uh, the type of player Matt McQuaid is, someone who can fill a niche role for your team. Uh, they do look for that. It, it's just going to have to come through summer league in different ways uh, as opposed to getting drafted. Uh, overall, I'll sum it up like this. Matt McQuaid makes it to the NBA if he proves to be an average perimeter defender. I think that's really all that stands in his way. I think the shot making is going to come. Uh, if he sticks with it, if he plays in the G League and sticks around and plays a year or two and shoots 40% from three and proves to be someone who can stay on the floor defensively, someone will uh, give him a shot in the NBA. He will get NBA minutes if he can do that. If he can prove to be a good perimeter defender, um, you know, that's going to increase his ability to stay long-term and have a carved-out role for a long time. If he can add some of that versatility that I was talking about earlier with consistency, the, the shooting in transition, quick shots, quick release, shooting from deep from in a variety of ways, off-platform stuff, making difficult shots, not just being a shot maker, but a difficult shot maker, then you're looking at... Uh, if you can combine that with good defense, good perimeter defense, uh, a long NBA career where you know he's making good money to play a solid role on a team, not a starter, 
but a seventh, eighth, ninth guy on a team uh, for a long time. Someone who's always going to have value in the NBA. If he can shoot from 40% from three in the NBA, play solid defense and be a versatile shooter, uh, you know, not that not, not the sky's the limit because it's not, uh, and that's a cliche, but he can really carve out himself a really nice NBA career, and I think he can do that. I think the most likely path we're going to see is undrafted, signs with the team, plays in the Summer League, uh, signs with the G League team, and then goes from there. And I would think that, you know, based on everything we know about him, based on what we've seen from him, he would prove to be someone who's going to work hard enough and make it enough of a priority in his life to become a really good player in the NBA and someone who's going to make it to the NBA uh, in the next few years. Uh, The Bryn Forbes path, uh, just to bring it around to another Spartan, that's easy for listeners to sort of visualize. I think the Bryn Forbes path is really possible for Matt McQuaid. There's some similarities there, and I think Matt might even have an easier time getting to the NBA because he's a better uh, defensive player than Bryn Forbes was in college and you know Bryn wasn't this crazy athlete or anything like that still isn't but if you watch him now with the Spurs he is much more filled out he is absolutely jacked he's strong he can hang uh, in the NBA and he's someone who with how he shoots it is going to play in the NBA for a long time it's such a valuable skill and it's incredibly in demand right now in the NBA. Teams are looking for it, and I think Matt can be someone who can certainly uh, fill that need for some teams. All right, let's take a break right there. When we get back, I want to talk about this Tulsa line. Actually, you know what? Yeah, we are going to talk about the Tulsa line. That's what we're going to do. And if I have a minute, I want to talk about this poll that I posted yesterday. Uh, Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Lockdown Spartans on the brand new Himalaya podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Spartans. Okay, so Michigan State opens up as a 21.5 point favorite against Tulsa Friday night opening weekend. And I love when these lines start to come out because that means college football season's not far away. We are like 10 weeks and two days away from Michigan State kicking it off. So that is awesome. Uh, and I think Michigan State as a 21.5 point favorite is pretty solid for the line. I understand the jokes are are easy. Well, yeah, they can cover that if the defense scores three touchdowns and gets a safety. Um, Yeah, they can cover that if the defense gets eight turnovers and and the offense starts in Tulsa's field position uh, eight times and gets eight field goals out of it. I, I could see that happening. But I think we are letting what happened at the end of last season stain uh, what this team actually is. And that's totally understandable and fair. Recency bias is like the biggest uh, bias that we all care, carry, if, we, if, I, if I can put it that way. It, it impacts decision-making at such a level that is totally understandable and illogical uh, because we completely discount things that happened before uh, the most recent sample uh, for what just happened. There was a time in the NFL last season, I forget who it was, but they posted a poll after a game, would you rather have Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles moving forward? It was after Trubisky had a terrible game and Foles had a good game. And it was like 75-25 in favor of Foles. Uh, or maybe it was Carson Wentz. It wasn't Nick Foles. It was Carson Wentz. Doesn't matter. And then two weeks later, uh, Trubisky had a really good game. Carson Wentz had a bad game. They posted the same poll. And it was 75 Trubisky, 25 Carson Wentz. Recency bias is a hell of a drug. So... That can certainly muddy the waters uh, in terms of 
optimism and I, and I don't blame you for it. I don't fault you for it, but I do just want to say, cause somebody called this out or tried to call it out that Michigan state never even can score 30 points against non-conference, uh, non-power five teams. How are they going to ever cover 21 and a half? And we forget that they scored 38 against Utah state and 31 against central last year. And that was with a really bad offense, uh, an offense that didn't have it figured out on the offensive line, a scheme that is archaic and not conducive to offensive scoring, and yet they still found ways to put up those point totals. And if you know anything about Tulsa, they're going to be really bad. They went 3-9. and nine. They're really terrible. They have a terrible offense. They're not going to be good. Michigan State is returning the best, one of the three best college uh, football defenses in the entire country. Tulsa's going to score three points on Michigan State. Maybe they score 10. Uh, Michigan State, uh, in order to cover 21 and a half, and yeah, D'Antonio's like 11 and 15 as a two plus or three plus touchdown favorite. It doesn't happen a ton. I know that. I know the history of it. Um, but discounting it just for the sake of, ooh, they were bad on offense the last six weeks, uh, I think is not the the way to look at it. You know, there are going to be changes. They've been super secretive about those changes, but all the little things that have trickled out in terms of hints and things like that suggest that it will be a different looking offense moving forward. And there are a ton of NFL players on this offense. They have three potential pro receivers. They have a potential pro quarterback. They have some talent on the offensive line. They've got some talent, some at least recruiting talent at the tight end position. There's some solid players at the running back position that, you know, certainly have things to prove, but have shown flashes of ability. I don't think it's going to be a good offense this year. I think they can end up being an average offense. And when you have an average offense and one of the best defenses in the country, uh, you can cover spreads like 21 and a half against Tulsa. I understand that it's not, you know, it's like the anti-Michigan State thing. They never blow out teams like they should. And they kind of don't a little bit, you know, they, they do it a little less often than you would like, but they still, they certainly have blown teams out before. Like I said, they're 11 and 14 under D'Antonio as three touchdown underdogs against non-power five teams. So Tulsa, for example, uh, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, schools like that, Mac schools, Conference USA, they are 11 and 14 as three touchdown favorites covering the spread. So they have done it plenty. They just don't do it quite as often as you would like. So uh, just some numbers behind that. I thought it was uh, something worth mentioning. And I posted a poll yesterday on Twitter. Uh, would you take a non-lethal gunshot wound for Michigan State to win a national title in football? This is something that was a radio station in Georgia was talking about it with the, with the Bulldogs down there. And so I just kind of stole it. And I was like, I wonder what Michigan State fans feel about that. Uh, and it was like 80-20. That would take a non-lethal gunshot wound for Michigan State to win a national title. And I just want to say, uh, you guys are absolutely insane, and I love all of you for it. Uh, that is something that is not going to be something that I am willing to do for a national football title, but God bless all of you who are willing to do that. That is it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. We'll be back tomorrow with a similar thing, um, but it'll be Kenny Goins instead of Matt McQuaid. Again, send in those pitches if you want to be on the show, LockedOnSpartans at gmail.com. Uh, subscribe to the show, rate, review, all that stuff really helps in terms of iTunes rating and things like that. And again, just for you guys, subscribing is the easiest way to get these shows on your phone every single day. All right, we'll be back again tomorrow with another episode of Locked On Spartans. Until then, go green.